Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Caroline Stanbury, and I am divorced, not dead. Fresh off the back of my divorce, I'm bringing real stories, real life, real talk on all things that aren't said. Why do we put so much pressure on ourselves for the happily ever after? Does our love story really have to be one great lengthy novel, or can we be happy with a book of short but exciting love stories? I guess we'll find out on Divorce Not Dead. And lucky me, you'll be joining me for the journey, so buckle up. Hey everyone, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the founder and CEO of Create and Cultivate, and this is Work Party, a podcast for a new generation of women who are ditching the rule book and redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we bring in leading female entrepreneurs for real tech advice on the topics that matter most to the modern career woman from hiring to mentorship to raising money and so much more. Whether you're pivoting to a new industry, negotiating a raise, turning your side hustle into a full-time gig, or pitching your company to investors, we're giving you the tips and tricks you need to take your career to the next level. Ready to make some money moves? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. About Elizabeth Stein, founder and CEO, start a natural foods company. Those were the words purely Elizabeth founder Elizabeth Stein wrote down on a blank piece of paper while in class at her holistic nutrition school. Her instructor had asked her to describe her unpredictable future, and while she saw no clear path of how to get there, she knew one thing for certain. She wanted to start a natural foods company to help others eat better, feel better, and live better. It all began to take shape at a local Westchester Triathlon Expo, where she was working to drum up nutrition clients by handing out homemade muffins made with chia, almond flour, coconut oil, and coconut sugar, most ingredients that weren't popular to the mainstream at that time. No one cared about signing up for her nutrition practice. They just wanted to know where they could get these delicious muffins. And that was her aha moment. One month later, without any prior knowledge of starting a company, where to source ingredients, or how to get a product on the shelf, purely Elizabeth was born. Elizabeth's goal was simple. She wanted to provide healthier, better tasting alternatives to what she was currently seeing out on the market. And at the time she was learning about incredibly powerful superfoods like quinoa, chia seeds, and coconut oil, and realized they weren't being incorporated into products on grocery store shelves. 
So she set out to recreate the most delicious food products using their innovative, nutrition-rich ingredients. In 2009, when her first product line was introduced, she was at the forefront of the ancient grain and chia movement. And today, Purely Elizabeth continues to stay a step ahead of the curve, incorporating innovative ingredients like MCT oil and dragon fruit into their products. And her goal is to continue to redefine the standards of packaged food and bring delicious nutrition into the center of the store. Purely Elizabeth is more than just a food brand. It is a mission-inspired brand, inspiring people to live healthier lives and thrive on their wellness journey. Oh, and Purely Elizabeth is the number one selling granola in all national channels. No big deal. That's incredible. (laughs) So without further ado, I'm excited to welcome Elizabeth to the work party. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. So excited to chat with you about this. So today it's safe to say that Purely Elizabeth is one of the most well-known natural granola purveyors, but I read that granola wasn't even part of your original vision. I mean, clearly the muffins were a big hit. In fact, it wasn't even a food company. Purely Elizabeth products, which include now granola, oatmeal bars, and all sorts of things can be found in more than 10,000 stores. But can you take us back to the genesis of what you thought purely Elizabeth was going to be. Yeah, absolutely. So when I first started in 2009, I launched with muffin and pancake mixes, and it was really a way that, you know, I'd gone to the Westchester triathlon. I was sampling muffins to really try to entice people to talk about my nutrition practice and to sign up for one-on-one coaching or even cooking classes. But really, I mean, back in 2008, when I did that, the idea of health and wellness was not the sexiest thing to talk about. It was not the forefront like it is today. And so quickly learned that the way to really help change people's eating was just to provide something that was delicious. And that was really the first way in versus going in um, with one-on-one nutrition. And so initially started with muffin and pancake mixes. And, you know, in the beginning, I think I always had the vision that I, I still have today for the brand which is really creating this greater lifestyle company and providing products in various parts of the supermarket aisle. So I didn't know granola would be the future, but I definitely envisioned other categories beyond the mixes. Yeah. Amazing. And obviously a holistic nutrition coach and a CEO are two totally different, um, career paths. So obviously that's what you kind of set out to do, being able to advise clients one-on-one on on nutritional, uh, needs and what they should be doing in their own personal lives. And then cut to your running a company. So tell us a little bit about how those sort of plans changed and what you learned in the process. You know, I will say while totally different, I do think that the process I went through in, the nutrition program was really just setting up that entrepreneurial spirit and vision. And so those same tools that I had, which were learning how to put together a newsletter to promote yourself. And, you know, back then we weren't really using Instagram and maybe Facebook had just been a part of our strategy, but it was very early on. And so it was the same marketing tools, I think of, how to promote yourself, how to talk about what is unique about your offering and your product. And the product obviously was a service versus an actual product. But I think those same fundamentals that I was understanding, I could apply to having a company versus having a service. Now, I definitely wasn't thinking I was going to have a company and all these employees at the time. So that certainly evolved, but I think that skill set of what we were offering and how to sell it was, was definitely learned in that process. 
Yeah. Amazing. And you self-funded the company early on. So talk us through bootstrapping a product business. Cause it's not easy. Obviously you need a lot of volume and inventory and things like that. So why did you self-fund and would you recommend this route for other entrepreneurs? Absolutely. So I, I think, you know, early on had made the decision that I was lucky enough to have family who could help support this vision in the beginning. And the thought was really to be able to control my own destiny for as long as I possibly could. And so really bootstrapped. I mean, I laugh at the beginning, my first employee that I was trying to hire, I actually had two great interviews, interviewees who I liked both of them equally as much. And they had different skill sets and I couldn't afford to hire both of them. So I ended up hiring both on a part-time basis so that I could get both different skill sets and, and have that be something that I could afford. But I think really, you know, the idea of self-funding was I want to control my destiny as much as I can, as long as I can. And I had such a clear vision for the business. I didn't want somebody to come in and change what that vision was. Cause I think once you bring partners in, it certainly does change what the dynamics are. And so really tried to knock that down as far down the road as I possibly could. It wasn't until 2017 that we took our first investment and I'm actually fundraising right now. And so it's interesting because especially now at this point in the business, I didn't realize really how scrappy we've been the last 12 years. And now hearing from investors saying like, this is incredible how cash efficient that you've been is really wonderful to hear 12 years later. It would have been nice to hear at the beginning, but it's definitely an interesting and part of how we've gone, how far we've gone. That's really exciting. And as you said, in 2017, you did raise money, but you raised it specifically with General Mills, part of their uh, venture wing, obviously a very strategic investor. Can you tell us a little bit about why you chose to partner with them and what people should be looking for when they're bringing on investors? Yeah. So I, at that time had met their group and really just had decided that this is the path I want to go. I didn't go out and do a whole process, which is what I'm doing now, but really decided that I wanted to bring in a partner who had that strategic lens. So you can get money from a million different people, but really providing that partnership for someone who a is very specific to the industry. So certainly for them, this was right in their real house of type of product, not only just being CPG, but really having that expertise of strategy and knowing how to help scale a business of our size. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it seems like a really smart money to take on when you're looking, especially in your first round. So when you launched your granola costs more than any other brand on the shelves, which is a ballsy move to go out there and be like, all right, I created this granola and I'm going to put it on the shelves and I'm going to have it be X about more than any other granola on the shelf. What was the strategy behind that? And how did you maintain that premium positioning without deterring customers? Because I think that's pricing is such a weird game. You look at what everyone else is doing. You try to add a value prop. You try to figure out how to make differentiate yourself. And sometimes people are just like, we're going to go in and be really expensive and for no real good reason. Obviously, I, my assumption is your ingredients cost more, but I'd be curious to know a little bit about the pricing on your end. Yeah. So uh, in, in full transparency, I will say that I didn't have a pricing strategy in the beginning. So it truly was our ingredients are super expensive. You know, at the time, I think back to just those ingredients weren't being used in products. Like we were really on the forefront. So not only were they expensive and still are expensive today, but the supply of them 
there are so fewer in the marketplace. And so the ingredients were even more expensive than they are today. So it was really ingredient driven and, you know, had just said, this is what the price of our ingredients are. Therefore, this is what we need to charge. And from that standpoint, you know, I always thought in the beginning that we were going to be like the small niche health food brand at the time, raw food was kind of the craze. And I, I kind of thought we would be in that same part of the natural food store where we were part of this raw food set and would really just maybe be this niche brand that we would never be in mainstream market because our pricing was that way. And because we were definitely more premium. And I think as, over the years, we've certainly you know built the category where we've now seen many other people in the category come in at a much higher price point than us and also lifting the rest of the category as well. Yeah. Amazing. And, you know, a pivotal moment for you guys was securing national distribution through whole foods, uh, you know, for lots of small CPG and food businesses, getting shelf space in whole foods is like the ultimate goal. So what was the road like to get there and how did it change your business? It absolutely changed the business. So getting there back in, I want to say it was 2011 is probably when we first got in. And initially back then, I don't know if this is still true today, but you could get in as a local vendor. And so mm. at the time, while I was based in New York, I'm from Philadelphia and I was using a commercial kitchen in Philadelphia. And so we got in to the mid-Atlantic region as a local vendor. I will say, give props to my mom because she single-handedly called every store in the mid-Atlantic region and help to get our product into every Amazing. one of the stores. So while we got accepted into one store and we got into their system, that was kind of the gateway trigger to then you had to call every store and sell them over the phone. And so while I laughed that my mom didn't have any sales experience, of course, it was her daughter's product that she was excited to be talking about. But it was really also the fact that we we're just so unique in the set. And so we didn't even send samples to buyers. They were just like, wow, this is coconut sugar and coconut oil. This is so different. Send me a case and we'll put it on the shelf. And so our strategy in the beginning was really just focusing on that mid-Atlantic region. And I would go and I would demo the product, you know, probably four out of seven days a week and really be able to support the product, hear the feedback, and help the sales. So we weren't just getting it on the shelf and then leaving it there. It was really that process of getting it there and supporting the sell through. And once we had one region of success, then went into the Northeast region. And then there was the North Atlantic. So I think we got up to about four regions of Whole Foods. And then I got an email from Whole Foods one day saying, we are pushing you out nationally into every single Whole Foods because we're essentially losing money by not having you on the shelf in all of our stores. And that was really the, I think, pivotal turning point in the business. Wow. Amazing. And obviously you've grown and scaled over the years, not only as a company, but internally with people as well in your team. And obviously you're the CEO leading the entire company. So Talk to us a little bit about leading a company, managing a lot of people. Did you have these natural leadership skills? Is there something that you looked into to learn from over time? Like, how did you learn how to actually run a business of this size? First, I'm an introvert. So it's, that's one thing that I think I've had to deal with that is a little bit difficult, but I do think in a sense, it has come naturally to me, which is odd that I wouldn't have thought it would have just 
because of my personality. I would say it's definitely come naturally, but that said, I'm constantly every day working on myself and my leadership. So really listening to podcasts and reading books and just trying to better understand how to be a leader and how to be a leader, I think at different stages of the business, because certainly having a team of three is certainly different than now having a team of 34. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It changes. I think every five employees, there's a big shift and change in the way things operate, communication flow, all those different things. But one of the things I do want to talk to you about is the fact that you started purely Elizabeth, like just after the economic, the first economic kind of recession that we all had been through 2008, 2009. And then obviously now we're going through this kind of weird COVID we're getting back into it. Is it, is it a recession? Is it not? Is this just like this weird um, V-shaped market economy? Who knows? So what lessons can you share for entrepreneurs who maybe are going through some financial up and downs right now on how to persevere post a crisis and a recession? I think, you know, as far as someone who's in say a product business, I think it's really important. This was something at the time that came about, uh, not necessarily planned, but it was so much in that time was going out. And this is now at at this point was with mixes was going out and demoing and being in front of customers and whether it was in a store or I was doing a ton of events, but it was having that customer two-way conversation. And ultimately when the granola idea came about that really helped to pivot the business because ultimately this new product I had was delicious. And at the same time I was hearing from customers, I was in New York. And so a lot of feedback was like, I don't use my oven. I don't bake. I store my shoes in my oven, like really insightful things that you learn that even if people were baking, they might be using this muffin mix once a month. And therefore, you know, the sell through on that would really be difficult to grow a business at that time. And so ultimately, you know, pivoting to granola, but I think the lesson right now in such a hard time, I think is really listening to the consumer and being open to pivoting, not knowing where things in this economy are going and where consumers demands are going. So whether it's something as simple as just pivoting to e-com or pivoting how you speak to the consumer with the changes that are happening daily, weekly. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously COVID-19 infected pretty much every business across the board. Was there any changes that you implemented because of COVID or any learnings you had sort of coming out of it? Hopefully. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so many learnings, I would say, you know, from a business standpoint, certainly e-com like everybody else was a huge piece for us where thankfully right before COVID, we had really just hired our first internal e-com team member. And so really had set us up to be able to scale that part of the business prior to that. I mean, our online orders were being shipped out of a warehouse behind our office that was like 200 square feet. So it wasn't really set up for success. So e-com was definitely an area where we have put a lot of more resources into and certainly looking to expand way beyond that. And that would be probably the biggest change from a business standpoint. And then just really like de-risking as much as we can. So, you know, we work with several different co-packers and we were extremely, extremely lucky in 2020, not to have any major hiccups from a supply chain Mm. perspective. I think we're seeing a lot more today in 21 and this half of, of the year. So 
our learning last year really been diversifying and being able to have the backup plan for the backup plan. For sure. Why do you think there's more issues this year than last year? I think a lot of it for us is labor issues induced. Yeah. So and a lot of our co-packers, they just can't get enough people in there. And so it's causing delays for getting product and, and that's happening, you know, throughout the entire supply chain. I do think one, you know, big positive lesson for us is that relationships and people are always number one for us. And that has become so clearly evident this past year in having these relationships, whether it's with the co-packer, our ingredient supplier, how important that is and how important that is in, in times of need. Yeah, absolutely. So currently in terms of your product SKUs, you have the granola, obviously. What other product SKUs do you currently have? So we have oatmeal and a couple of different SKUs in the oatmeal category. We just came out with multi-pack oatmeals, which are great for that grab and go convenience. And then we also have our pancake mixes. So we went back to the pancakes and kind of pancake 2.0. Amazing. Yeah. I've tried the pancake mixes and I was like, they're amazing. And they're really good. It makes you feel like not that even though you put like butter on top or whatever, it makes you feel like you're being somewhat healthy. It's all about balance. Exactly. So one of the things I love about purely Elizabeth is giving back is at the core of your business as a certified B Corp company, purely Elizabeth strives to preserve the health of the planet and its inhabitants from selecting ingredients that don't contribute to the destruction of the environment, like palm oil to continuously donating to a variety of nonprofits. Why is paying it forward so important to your business? And I think a lot of people are curious to know, how do you become a certified B Corp? Great question. So when I started the company, I, you know, sat down and was like, I have the opportunity now to create my dream company. And I, you know, I was coming from a place where I wasn't loving the work that I was doing prior to this and had a lot of learnings from that experience that I was like, here's what I want my work environment to be like, here's what, you know, I would admire in a company. And I sat down and wrote all of those day one. And part of that was really the importance of giving back and feeling like as a company, we have a responsibility socially, economically, all of those ways to, to do good. And so that's really been part of our DNA from the very beginning. And we were, you know, I think when we started B Corp probably wasn't even around, or maybe it was just getting started, but we were already implementing all of those B Corp practices. So now they have a very thorough list of different items that you need to do in order to become a B Corp with a variety of different areas in the business. So whether it comes from your team and your, you know, way that you're treating employees and the policies and procedures you have internally to how you value your partners. And, you know, there's so many different parts of the business that get scored in order to become a B Corp. It's a really difficult um, certification to get. And, always looking for ways that we can be improving on that. So a sustainability piece is a big one for us that we actually, someone internally just became our head of sustainability. And now really to take that piece of the business to the next level where in the past, I think we felt like there was only so much we could do as a smaller brand, but now as a bigger brand, we can really start to command some of those asks from our suppliers and are really excited to be moving forward with that in this year and, and beyond. 
Yeah, that that's incredible. And sustainability is such a huge part of business these days. It, you know, you can't just bring it up and like talking points, you have to be, you know, walking the walk and talking the talk in that way. So we can all agree, obviously, purely Elizabeth has been extremely successful, but how do you define success? You know, you've obviously had this company for a very long time. You've had these successful milestones, but how do you define success? That's such a hard question. I would say, you know, for me, my vision in the beginning was creating this. I did write in the, in my class, I did write not only starting a natural food company, but that we would become like a household name. So yeah. that was definitely part of it. Um, so I did have this vision of this lifestyle brand and really with our North star of helping you thrive on your wellness journey. And that's kind of how we think about everything that we do internally and externally, but really from that North star. And so as I think about success, it's like, how do we continue to amplify that and reach more people on bigger scale? So I would say, you know, I feel like we've been successful to date, but I feel like there's so much more that we need to do in order for me to really feel like we've made it. Oh, well, I do think the household name is definitely something that you can check off your list. I feel like everyone knows truly Elizabeth. So that that's amazing. Um, so you mentioned earlier, you're an introvert. There's so many introvert entrepreneurs. It's like a little bit of a tongue twister out there, but what advice would you give to introverts in regards to, the way that, you know, we sort of operate in this new world is like, you have to be a self promoter of your product and your business, no matter where you go. Obviously you are Elizabeth of purely Elizabeth. So it's part of the, the equation for you. So what advice do you have for introverted entrepreneurs to be able to promote themselves and their products? I don't know that I've had it all figured out <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day with business in general. And I think for introverts specifically too, is just having that confidence. And that confidence is so important, whether it's from like getting you from this idea to actually moving forward with whatever your dream and passion is to having the confidence to go to that networking event, even though you're introverted and you don't want to talk to anybody, but you're like, I, I feel good. I'm going to go to the event and talk to people. And so for me, I think really building that confidence is like doing things daily that make you feel good and really trying to figure out for yourself, what are those things that give you that, you know, boost of feel good emotions every day. Absolutely. And obviously, you know, there's a lot of ups and downs to being an entrepreneur and there's a the good days and the things that make you excited. And then the hard days where you're like, why am I doing this? So how do you handle failure? How do you handle when things don't work out early on? Uh, someone said to me, you know, this journey is going to be a roller coaster, ups and downs. And so I, I knew going into it, okay, this is, this is what I'm here for. I would say I'm a very optimistic person. I'm very glass half full. So that comes naturally to me to always see the silver lining. Like we, you know, any meeting, if there's something bad that happens, I'm always like, well, but there's this positive thing that's come out of it. So I always am twisting it to that extent. I think I've really learned over the last couple years of just trying to take a step back and know that like there are no doubt can be problems. Like that is the definition of business and it's going to happen, but trying to take a step back and really remind myself of what the bigger picture vision is and that long-term plan. And so not getting bogged down on like this one bad thing happened and you know what, it's going to happen. But ultimately like, am I on the path 
to creating this brand that I've dreamed of. And that is really what I think gets me out of kind of those ruts of feeling like, why am I doing this? Totally. You need that to get through it for sure. And if you could go back to 2009, 2008, when you had just launched the brand, what advice would you give yourself having the knowledge that you have today? I mean, I think so much of what was great in the beginning was being naive and not knowing anything. So I don't know that I would necessarily tell myself other like tidbits to have other than just probably saying like, it'll all work out and trusting the process. I'm a firm believer in everything being meant to be and line up as it's supposed to. And so, I mean, I still am reaffirming that to myself every day. So I think that's probably the mantra I would give myself back then. Oh, I love that. Yeah. No, just kind of like, I mean, it's going to be ups and downs, but it all works out in the end. So one of the things I love about your products and sort of when you were launching, you know, you were talking about coconut oil, coconut butter, all these things that now are sort of like everyone uses them and they're very commonplace. What are sort of the next ingredients that are on your radar that you're excited to kind of introduce? Well, I can't necessarily say (laughs) top secret ingredients. What excites me still is probably around gut health, like whether Mm. it's prebiotics, probiotics, I think there's still so much more information that we don't know. I mean, so much has evolved over the last couple of years. We came out with our probiotic granola in 2014. And at the time, like that was so cutting edge, but the knowledge that we had back then is still like nothing compared to, we know what we know about gut health and how it affects everything in the body. So I think that continuation of the importance of gut health and what we can be doing to further our health of the gut is just going to only continue. That's so true. And that's crazy. 2014. I feel like that was like cutting edge probiotics. So excited to see what you're doing next. And on that note, is there any new launches you're excited about? What's next for you? Obviously you're raising around. So good luck on that. Thank you. So we have a pretty massive launch, I will say planned for 2022. So I can't talk about it quite yet, but it'll be out summer 2022. We are working on it very hard right now and eating samples daily of it. (laughs) So it's really exciting. And I would say other than that, I recently started a podcast. So I've been loving doing that and just bringing more of our health information to our community and continuing to help people thrive on their wellness journey. Amazing. What's the name of the podcast? Live Purely with Elizabeth. Cute. Love it. Amazing. All right. Well, we will wrap with some sentence finishers. If I had more hours in the day, I would probably cook more. Totally. My fantasy granola flavor is. So my favorite dessert is a berry crumble alamode. So some sort of a version of that in a granola. Um, um, I feel like you can definitely make that happen. Totally. My favorite productivity tool is I do five minute journal in the morning and I kind of add my own things to the five minute journal, which are like the key things that I want to get done for the day. Amazing. And my best career advice in two words or less is just jump. Oh, I love that. Well, we are lucky because we are giving some of our work party listeners a deal on Purely Elizabeth. So if you go to Purely Elizabeth's website, purelyelizabeth.com, you can enter code WORKPARTY at checkout for 25% off site-wide. So get some pancake mixes, get some granola, get all the good stuff and start your health journey today. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. It was so great chatting with you and congrats on all of your success. 
Thanks so much for having me. Amazing. And can you tell everyone where they can follow you on social media and the podcast and all the good stuff online? Yes, we are at purely underscore Elizabeth on Instagram and podcast on Apple and everywhere else that there's podcasts. All the podcasts. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks. (laughs) Bye. For more inspiring conversations like this one, follow the Work Party Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review us or show us some love on social. We love seeing you tune in every week and share your favorite episodes. We're at Work Party on Instagram and at It's a Work Party on Facebook and Twitter. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party.